This is the Need to Breathe track Wasteland from the live room sessions. Find it on YouTube. Welcome to Empires of Dirt and Grace, a liturgy for Lent. My name is Chris Kamalski, your audio liturgist. I live in Cape Town with my wife Maxie, our daughter Mia, and our Scottish Terrier Wally. I've been curating the liturgical year for third place, our faith community, since 2009, and I am thrilled and ecstatic to enter into Lent with you all this year. Welcome to the podcast. All rights. All copyrights go to Need to Breathe, Wasteland. Find this track by searching them on YouTube. Search for the live room sessions. Let's let this set the tone for this podcast today. track from Need to Breathe called Wasteland in the live room sessions, all copyright to them. Malcolm Geit wrote this about Lent. He said, when God spoke to Moses from the lit bush, he promised, I will come down, and come down he did in Christ. Wherever we are in our wilderness journey, we are not alone. 
walks with us, even as in keeping Lent, Holy Week and Easter, we walk with Him. What happened out there and back then can happen in here and right now. A meditation on Lent entitled Fasting from Indifference, written by Chris Kamalski for Lent 2016. Sometimes I wonder if Pope Francis is my pastor. Although I am not a Catholic and am part of a local faith community in Cape Town, I have both warm admiration and multiple moments of personal conviction due to Francis's grace and humility towards others as Pope, having followed his humble ascension to the papacy with increasing interest over the past few years. From afar, he seems to understand with great clarity and to live from a sincere heart with great simplicity and equal conviction what walking with Jesus and serving others in his name looks like, regardless of power or title. And thus, while brainstorming ideas for our Lenten liturgy this year, a 2015 Time Magazine article written by Christopher Hale entitled Pope Francis's Guide to Lent, What You Should Give Up This Year, began popping up in my Facebook feed again, shared by a few friends whose spiritual maturity and sensitivity to the Spirit's voice I trust almost implicitly. Curiosity peaked. Here's what stopped me dead in my tracks, laying the rails for our Lenten journey this year. A passage from the article. Quote, so if we're going to fast from anything this Lent, Francis suggests that even more than candy or alcohol, we fast from indifference towards others. In his annual Lenten message, the Pope writes, indifference to our neighbor and to God also represents a real temptation for us Christians. Each year during Lent, we need to hear once more the voice of the prophets who cry out and trouble our conscience. Describing this phenomenon he calls the globalization of indifference, Francis writes that, quote, whenever our interior life becomes caught up in its own interests and concerns, there is no longer room for others, no place for the poor. God's voice is no longer heard, the quiet joy of his love is no longer felt, and the desire to do good fades. He continues, Quote, we end up being incapable of feeling compassion at the outcry of the poor, weeping for other people's pain, and feeling a need to help them, as though all of this were someone else's responsibility and not our own. Unquote. But when we fast from this indifference, we can begin to feast on love. In fact, Lent is the perfect time to learn how to love again. Jesus, the great protagonist of this holy season, certainly showed us the way. In him, God descends all the way down to bring everyone else up. In his life and ministry, no one is excluded. What are you giving up for Lent? Well, that's a question a lot of people will get these next few days. If you want to change your body, perhaps alcohol and candy is the way to go. But if you want to change your heart, a harder fast is needed. This narrow road is gritty, but it isn't sterile. It will make room in ourselves to experience a love that can make us whole and set us free. Now that is something worth fasting for. Again, that's from an article by Christopher Hale written in Time magazine called Pope Francis's Guide to Lent, What You Should Give Up This Year. Continuing with my meditation. Naturally, I am a man of perfect intention and terrible action. I have the most well-laid plans and the poorest follow-through. I desire to follow Jesus all the way to the Jerusalem cross but find myself sidetracked before I even leave Galilee. My intended thought is complete, but my actual engagement woefully small, if present at all. Francis's call to journey through Lent fasting from indifference 
violently exposes his self-righteous hypocrisy and well-meaning but lying intention in me from the start, forcing me out of my comfortable indifference into realistic engagement with the concerns of those around me, whether relatively minute. My daughter heard another helicopter fly overhead, more significant yet relationally distant. A man at the robot has approached my car yet again in need of something. How do I respond to him with graciousness? And most intimately central still, how do I listen with empathy to my wife's heart, no matter how it affects me? I can remain cold, distant, and indifferent, yet think that I am on track and walking with Jesus. Or I can slow down, actually listen, and choose to engage my actual real life right in front of me. The choice is entirely mine, and Lent provides us a fresh season to choose empathetic compassion, learning how to love again. The following excerpts are portions of an actual discussion that we had with a group of our friends around our table last week on Ash Wednesday at the start of Lent. We were talking about what this whole fasting from indifference thing actually was and kind of how we we're going to attempt throughout this Lenten season to make that a reality in our lives, a tangible, actionable reality in our lives. What follows are a few excerpts of our conversation. We thought it would be appropriate to play it for you to just sort of help you move in towards, um, away from thought and towards actionable reality as you think about what you are fasting on for this Lenten season. I hope you enjoy this. Let's go back to Fort Lane. We is, so this is, Sunday also, but but not Lent as much. Mm-hmm. But it has always been um, some for me at least something about intentionally sitting and listening to uh, understanding your own, accepting your own brokenness, listening to your own pain, and just entering into that uh, without uh, the need to fill that void that pain and suffering creates in us without the need to fill that with any kind of human understanding or answer. Hmm. But just to live with that emptiness for a while until, um, you know, the time comes to fill that back up, but just to live with that Hmm. void. Hmm. And to um, just to rid ourselves of all the, the questions that we don't really have answers for amidst our own suffering. And also, um, maybe I shouldn't say ask me, and then also to not give in to try and find cheap answers for those. Mm-hmm. 
so that uh, I read about uh, another practice that is um, sometimes practiced in the Jewish culture called sitting Shiva. I think we've talked about this mm. before. So when there is um, when something happens, something bad happens in a house or a family, neighbors would come, and in the practice of Shiva, they would just come and sit and be with. So it's the practice of sitting, and it is strictly forbidden to offer any counsel during times of severe loss or sadness. You just supposed to sit with. And so Lent for me, especially this year, would be an opportunity to not necessarily sit with others in their pain as I can sit with myself mm. and in my own brokenness and my own pain and just try and listen to that for at least a period. And then if there's distractions that's going to keep me from doing that, get rid of the distractions, whether it's Facebook or um, chocolate, whatever. But, um, and, and hopefully if I can, uh, if I can enter into my own, if I can understand myself a little bit better, I can maybe get to a point where I'm not so hung up on it. I can put a pin in it for a while and it can help me also in, enter into the pain of um, other people. Mm. I, had, I had this, um, this brilliant, uh, I've never been able to get the distinction quite right, but this explanation about the difference between sympathy and empathy and how we're not called to sympathy but to empathy and how and this is probably not a correct dictionary um, explanation of it but it just really made sense to me when this person explained it about how when you're sympathetic with someone you can say I see you're sad and um, I'm sorry I'm sorry that you're sad and how empathy is when you see what's happening you become sad yourself mm. yes yeah for what you feel that pain, yeah. you share that pain with that person, and it's not something that's intuitive for everybody. And um, and hopefully, the more we we like this, is, the more we have the mind of Christ, the mm -hmm. more speaking Afrikaans. Yeah, that our we will become. It will be easier for us to feel empathetic with the pain sure. of the world, like what you have just described. Yeah, and I think in a weird way that's 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 what Lent is, right? Yeah. So you you I don't know if you have ever heard of these kinds of stories where this time of year people go and carry crosses around or um, kind of do. You guys ever heard of the word stigmata, where people yes. literally I go and kind of. There is a, a, a really weird movie <laughs> by that name, but but um, um they go and they 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 pierce themselves and things like that, and and in a to an extreme, I guess, that's kind of what they're, they're aiming to do, which is to, to, em, you know, to, to empathize and even uh, recreate, in a sense, an experience of what Jesus himself went through, right? Um, and I, I think your distinction is huge, right? S sympathy is, and I feel like a lot of times it's made to be the enemy, but, but, but sympathy is like a, it's over there, even if you are accurately identifying it or whatever. Empathy is like a, let, let me let that into my life too. And suddenly I'm going to, you know, I might become sad or I might struggle. Empathy is kind of, yeah, it just popped into my head. It's, it's kind of like this thing of space, you know, we all have, like, yes. we create space and empathy is kind of creating, I guess, things of space for someone else's, uh, you know, what, what you think they're going through. Right. 
Right. Kind of internalizing that. Yeah. Because it, it requires more effort than, I guess, sympathy where you just like, oh, shame. Uh, sympathy doesn't change you. Empathy does. Yeah, mm. that's, that's, that's a great way to say it. Sympathy is like, oh, it's over there. Right. Right. If you're living more outwardly and thinking about other people more than you are about yourself, then there's a kind of a cleansing thing. So it's like my mother was saying, start focusing on getting on the mind of Christ. And it's going to take practice, but eventually you're going to, and that's just a process of length, I suppose, or part of it, which is that way, um, to be more empathetic, to mm. think more about other people. But for me, that's definitely, you know, think more about other people than thinking of yourself and your own interests and your own issues and everything. If, if you, you focus yeah, more on other people, then you have, yeah. See, if you can get... Because at a point um, when you're driving in traffic and you're sitting in traffic and this guy cuts you off or that happens or that happens, yeah, you can either start screaming and be unhappy and, or you can just say, okay, it's fine. Okay, you have to be somewhere as well. You're empathetic to what his situation is. And then you're not indifferent to what he thinks and what he does. Hmm. So then, you know, you don't have that anger, hmm. which is destructive. Truly listening is like a, a real thing for us right now. <laughs> so for Mia, it's, it's obviously like she'll say something she's excited about or thinking about, but she'll say it six times in a row. <laughs> so me not being indifferent involves listening and taking that in. Even if it's like six times in a row, you know, or, or redirecting it or whatever, but like engaging with that as opposed to sort of, yeah, 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 yeah. And I no, keep doing whatever not, I'm doing. Not saying yeah, 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 but also saying it back and saying, right. yes, that's how you right. say it. It's awesome that you just saw another helicopter, like, <laughs> or whatever. Um, but then like, you know, on a, it's, well, it's not, it's not even to say more serious because it's equally serious to her, but like, um, but for Maxie, it's like choosing to enter into whatever she is wrestling with or thinking about, whether it's a heavy thing or just a how's your day thing. Like that involves, like for me at least, like a surprising amount of choice to not be indifferent, <laughs> to engage, to be present, to actually care about what she's, you know? And, um, and so like, I, I feel like, for what it, I mean, this is where I'm at, but like I feel like for whatever reason, this this phrase hits home, <laughs> like literally in our home. <laughs> you know, this 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 time. So, I'm going to feel like I want to fast like two things. One, I always feel like when then comes, it's easy to go, oh, I'm going to fast. You know, like something hypothetical that I have to just choose in my mind. You know and then not do something physical like, I'm gonna fast chocolate, you know, because it's something tangible I have to like say no to. But with those, I, a lot of times feel like, then I don't replace it really well with something. So, um, but I always feel like the discipline of choosing not to buy something like chocolate or something that I really enjoy. Um, but I was actually thinking more that for me, that's treats, buying myself like a treat at the store. <laughs> is what I'm fasting. 
So maybe it's built on, maybe it's chips, maybe it's something that's very food related. <laughs> but that's not, that's just kind of like a, like a discipline aspect of fasting. That I, and um, hopefully I want to do something with the money you say. Do you guys have a chocolate budget that you can, <laughs> that no, you can think I just, in terms of this is going to be like actual money in the bank? If I don't do this, it's going to be something. Listen, man, I, I feel like we we wish we didn't, but <laughs> you know? it's, it's never a, it's one of those silent parts of the budget that it's, you just it's, like it, you just it's know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> the miscellaneous expenses. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know exactly how that went, but I think one of the big things I've really been struggling with was the social media, but in the sense of that, I've realized how it's replaced real life relationships and how it's like made me like think that because I connect with someone over Facebook or whatever, that I'm actually somehow related to their lives. And most of the time I'm actually not at all remotely. <laughs> And I've realized, like, if I don't see their social media profiles, like, I really would have no contact with them. Like, none whatsoever. And what they do wouldn't influence me in the least. And I was like, but why am I then so consumed to, like, try and prove to these people certain things about myself or my, you know, perfection? Or, and then I also just judge and make so many assumptions about people's lives and what's going on which then just distorts my view of people. So I think I decided to not do that and really just be more intentional about messaging or phoning friends who are going through a tough time or who are having a hard time or intentionally going, I am going to connect with my friends in Pretoria that I really want to maintain relationships with by sending them messages and calling them and hearing how they're doing not via social media, but directly and intentionally and replacing that time with actually spending time with people in person and doing the hard work of going, oh, so it's, it's hard, hey, oh, you're going through a hard time? Oh, okay, let's talk about that. Or I'm going through a hard time, let's engage in the hardness of life. Yes, but um, what has happened, uh, what, what happens with me when I um, am absorbed in my own thoughts and things that's happening in my own life. I tend to overthink and overanalyze those things. Mm. And what I have been told about myself, because I haven't grown, haven't matured to this level of self-awareness yet, so the jury is still out whether all the other people that are telling me this is actually right. <laughs> but what I have been told about myself is I tend to... Um, when there's a lot going on, withdraw and just become absent uh, for the people that I share my living spaces with, whether at home or at work or in social circles or wherever. And it's not that I'm not doing anything, I'm not contributing anything negative, it's just that I'm not contributing anything at all. And sometimes that silence or absence can be you know, worse even mm -hmm. than being there and engaging in a confrontational or negative or hurtful way or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, and so I'll retreat. I'll retreat and just be by myself at home, uh, and or wherever. Even when I'm with people, be by myself with people, uh, and um, because I I feel I feel exhausted and I feel I'm just I want to put my effort. So what I have done 
uh, drawing on experience of about five years ago is I started, um, so oh yeah, so part a little bit of, of that kind of mild depression or whatever it is, is to self-medicate with um, solitude but the bad kind mm. and then sleep. And so what, what I've done is um, catalyzed a little uh, cycling group and we wake up at four, text each other and call each other and wake up at four and go out in the dark and cycle for two hours until seven o'clock and then have coffee and full breakfast until eight and only then go back home, shower to be by work at work at nine. And so what that has done is it created in the beginning of my day, this has now been two weeks I've done this. Every day? No, no, three times a week. <laughs> I was just about to say like... That Monday, oh. I own my depression. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, healthy life. Yeah, yeah, Friday, yeah. it's the weekend. Friday! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Friday. And so, I don't know if that constitutes fasting from anything, yeah, yeah. but it might be fasting no, from overthinking everything yeah. that's going on with myself. It's fasting mm. the solitude. And it's fasting from yeah, sleep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is good, and because yeah. I need to be awakened with other people, especially during these times. Yeah. And, um, and I can't tell you how much energy it creates and how much easier it is for me to just uh, engage with people. And you know how I picked this up? I've becoming really the guy that's rude to service hmm. people that serve, that serve. Uh, my encouragement for you would be to find a tangible practice and, and Maxie knows I, I'm, I'm like I'm just the idea guy yeah. completely so this is I, I say this to myself first okay mm -hmm. uh, so if I could face myself I would but but um but my challenge to myself and to you is that your idea of a fast becomes tangible, right? Mm -hmm. Pragmatic, mm -hmm. practical. Something like Tuesday through Thursday, four to eight. That's tangible and pragmatic and practical, whether you choose that or not. Like, there's something, right? So it doesn't stay vague, and it doesn't stay unspecific. Even if it needs to be smaller than you wish it was, or smaller than you would like to, like you wish you were further along than you are with whatever, you know? Choose something, be specific, but then the second piece is critical, and it, probably more critical, which is what will you fill it with? What will you feast on? Okay? And a lot of times, whatever you fast from kind of directly points you towards what you should feast on, right? So they're related. I, I think developmentally, if I think about from a developmental, spiritual, a developmental perspectives in, in spirituality, that's true, right? You, you, if, 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 if there's an area of your life that is being pointed out to you that you need to address or grow in, a lot of times, even circumstantially, like mm -hmm. what will come into your life is related to that to some degree. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be spooky here or say like, ooh, you know, um, but, but I don't, I don't. I, I. I believe deeply that God is not surprised by that. <laughs> number one, or scared of that. Number two, mm -hmm. and then lastly, I, I think there's an intentionality in what, what He brings to, uh, to our surface, to our consciousness, to our. We have to address this now, mm -hmm. sort of mind, um, in these kinds of seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, so I. I guess I would say like go with what is, what is before you. 
but make it tangible, both in what tangible and achievable in what you fast and then in what you feast or what you fill, right? Or else you're just going to set yourself up for failure. Um, lastly, and not to pick on you, Marissa, but you were mentioning like I kind of failed at that. Uh, well, first of all, welcome to the club. <laughs> I think around this circle, we could probably all say that we've done that. Last year, I started Lent and like by like half like halfway on Thursday, I already like failed all four things I was going to fast in. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know the yeah. story. Se- secondly, I just want to say like. Um, and I don't want to say this to, to excuse, like, hard work, <laughs> but, but I, I don't even know if it's about succeeding as much as it is about um, being present to the experience of that. So potentially, if you fall on your face, today's Wednesday, like on Saturday or whatever, like, what you do in response to that with whoever you're engaging with or with God might be more important than the fact that you made it to, to, to Easter or whatever. Uh, does that make sense? So there's like, the, this is a season of hard work and embracing hardship and choosing not to buy the treats and whatever. I do think it also is a season where we can welcome grace in fresh ways and where we sort of almost set ourselves up to be able to receive that in a way. Um, so so don't be afraid to let that in. <laughs> you know? A discussion for around the table. Gather some friends and family around an actual table and spend some time discussing the following questions. Referencing the Lenten article on Pope Francis from Time Magazine referenced in this podcast. Question number one. How is God inviting you to fast from indifference towards others and learn to feast again in loving others? Question number two, what aspect of your identity do you need to fast from to expose its falsehood this Lenten season? An example of this would be the pressure that you feel to portray that you are a success via social media. Question number three, what aspect of your identity in Christ do you need to feast on to embrace its truth more deeply in this Lenten season? An example continued from the previous question. As I fast from the falsehood of the validation of my success publicly on social media, I open to the truth that I am deeply loved by Christ, the beloved, just as I am. These questions reference the following passage from the Lenten article in Time Magazine. So let me just quote the paragraph again. But when we fast from this indifference, this globalization of indifference that that Francis talks about. We can begin to feast on love, the author says. In fact, Lent is the perfect time to learn how to love again. Jesus, the great protagonist of this holy season, certainly showed us the way. In him, God descends all the way down to bring everyone up. In his life and ministry, no one is excluded. What are you giving up for Lent? It's a question a lot of people will get these next few days. And if you want to change your body, perhaps alcohol and candy is the way to go. But if you want to change your heart, a harder fast is needed. This narrow road is gritty, but it isn't sterile. It will make room in ourselves to experience a love that can make us whole and set us free. Now that is something worth fasting for. Song of Meditation and Reflection 
Search on YouTube as you pause this podcast for the Need to Breathe track called Wasteland. Find the live room session version of this and take a moment to find the lyrics as well and just enjoy a powerful, powerful song that talks about sort of the interiority of the heart and what can happen as you fast and then seek God and find actually that God is finding you. So take a moment to listen to this version before you continue further in this podcast. A story for children and a parable for adults. Read from The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle. In the light of the moon, a little egg lay on a leaf. One Sunday morning, the warm sun came up and pop! Out of the egg came a tiny and very hungry caterpillar. He started to look for some food. On Monday, he ate through one apple, but he was still hungry. On Tuesday, he ate through two pears but he was still hungry. On Wednesday, he ate through three plums, but he was still hungry. On Thursday, he ate through four strawberries, but he was still hungry. On Friday, he ate through five oranges, but he was still hungry. On Saturday, he ate through one piece of chocolate cake, one ice cream cone, one pickle, one slice of Swiss cheese, one slice of salami, one lollipop, one piece of cherry pie, one sausage, one cupcake, and one slice of watermelon. That night, he had a stomach ache. The next day was Sunday again. The caterpillar ate through one nice green leaf, and after that, he felt much better. Now, he wasn't hungry anymore, and he wasn't a little caterpillar anymore. He was a big, fat caterpillar. He built a small house called a cocoon around himself. He stayed inside for more than two weeks. Then he nibbled a hole in the cocoon, pushed his way out, and he was a beautiful butterfly. The end. Take a second with your children, if you just read or listened to this segment to them, to possibly, if you own the book, read the book again with them. We'll look it up online. But then discuss how the very hungry caterpillar could be a perfect metaphor for the struggle that we face when we struggle with things in our lives that get out of control. It's like we overeat. Sometimes those are areas of sin in our life or brokenness or pain, but it's like we let them out of control. And I would love for you just to have a conversation with your children or with your family about why do you think human beings are like that? And what could Jesus do to help satisfy that hunger, especially during the season of Lent. Scripture for the liturgical season of Lent, taken from the Children of God Storybook Bible, written by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. One of the famous passages that many people believe that the Lenten practice or season of fasting developed out of was the story in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is sent out to the desert by the Spirit. And so I want to read to you from Archbishop Desmond Tutu's version of that. Particularly gather your children around. I think this is a good section that speaks about the importance of relying on God, particularly during seasons of of great trial, as Jesus did himself. This is called Jesus in the Desert from Matthew 4. As soon as he was baptized, Jesus went into the desert for 40 days to be alone with his father and to pray. He became very hungry and thirsty. The devil came to tempt Jesus and said, If you're God's son, then change these stones into bread. But Jesus answered, Scripture says people can't live on bread alone. God's word is even more important than food. And then the devil took him to the very top of the temple in Jerusalem. If you are God's son, 
Throw yourself off the building. Doesn't scripture say God will send angels to catch you when you fall? Jesus replied, Scripture also says you must not not test God. Then the devil took Jesus to the top of a high mountain, looking out over all the kingdoms of the world. I will give you power over everyone if you will only bow down and worship me, he said. Go away, Satan, Jesus cried. The earth belongs to God alone, and he is the only one who must be worshipped. As the devil disappeared, angels came to comfort Jesus. Dear God, help me to trust you when I am tempted. If you're sitting with your parents right now, children, take a moment to just possibly open up Matthew 4 and read that in one of your own Bibles and ask them this question. Talk with your parents about this question. It seems like uh, the devil was tempting Jesus at the level of his identity. He, He was questioning whether Jesus was really God's son. And I would love for you to talk with your parents about what you think about that. Do you think that, that, that Jesus was unsure that he was God's son? And, and how, does, how does temptation work when we are tempted at the level of our identity? And the last question or thing that I'd like you to talk about is, is how could something like a fast or a deliberate break from things that distract us help us to identify areas of our identity or of our person that we are having trouble seeing the truth in? And what could God do pointing out to us the truth of who we really are in Christ. During the recent Ash Wednesday gathering at the Story Space, our pastor Pierre um, was explaining what Lent was and sort of leading an introduction and a guided meditation. Here's a short excerpt from that moment as a way for you to enter into what Lent is for you a little bit more deeply. As well, so English it is. Um, We are on Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. And uh, if it's your first time doing the Lenten journey, then Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter. 46 actually, but we don't count the Sundays. 40 days leading up to Easter, which is a time of fasting and prayer and giving. And it starts with Ash Wednesday. Now the purpose of Ash Wednesday is to think again that we are just dust. Throughout this year, we are talking, our theme is empires of dirt and grace, asking the two questions, who am I and who is God? That I am made out of dirt and that God is made of grace. And during Lent, we reflect on that again, on our nature, that we are temporary, that we are mortal, that we have a beginning and an end, and that we really desperately need Jesus and that we need the cross and um, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to just reflect on those things again, reflect on our own sinful nature on that we need God and um, we are gonna, I'm going to lead us in a meditation and then we're gonna also going to listen to some guided prayer and then after that you're welcome to go over there and receive the sign of the cross with the ash the ashes are made from burnt palm leaves and the palm leaves represent Palm Sunday, the previous year's Palm Sunday with Jesus entering into Jerusalem. So the liturgical year makes this beautiful circle. And um, before we get into that, in the week Pope Francis gave out a message about what he wanted people to fast for Lent. And he made a very interesting point. He said, Lent 
it should be more about just fasting sugar or fasting alcohol or fasting meat or whatever. It should be about this year especially, about fasting indifference. Because in our culture, and especially uh, in South Africa and around the world, we have grown indifferent to our neighbors and indifferent to the people around us. And Pope Francis is right that we should fast indifference, that we shouldn't be like people that lock ourselves up and keep ourselves separate from the world, but that we should engage and be a part of this world. And during Lent, Lent is also a time for giving, almsgiving. And it would be great if you could think about ways that you could give a little bit extra during Lent. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to lead us in a short meditation, and then we'll go into guided prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that we can, we can stand together at this beginning of Lent and start thinking about how much we need you and how much we need the cross and how much we need your blood thank you that you died for us thank you that you thought of us thank you that you took the brokenness of creation upon yourself and took it away from us as we sit tonight and think again about our sin and think again about how far we are often from you Help us to remember in that your gift of grace. And even though we are just dirt and ash and dust, that in you we are complete and full and holy. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you forgive us when we come to you and we confess our sins. We pray this in your name. Amen. Spiritual practice for Lent is the discipline or practice of fasting. The desire behind the practice of fasting is to let go of an appetite in order to seek God on matters of deep concern for the other, for myself and for the world. A definition of fasting is that a fast is the self-denial of normal necessities in order to intentionally attend to God in prayer. Bringing attachments and cravings to the surface opens up a place for prayer. This physical awareness of emptiness is the reminder to turn to Jesus, who alone can satisfy. Some scripture that supports the practice of fasting. From Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18, Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And again, another scripture as previously written and described in Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 7. Is this not the kind of fasting that I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? Set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? What does this practice include? Number one, it includes abstaining from food, drink, shopping, desserts, chocolate, and so on to intentionally be with God. Number two, it 
includes abstaining from media, particularly social media. Your phone, the radio in your car, music, email, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Your cell phone in general, or computer games to allow space for listening to the voice of Jesus. Number three, it includes the abstaining from habits or comforts. Even things that you wouldn't necessarily think of, such as reading or watching sports in order to give God undivided attention. It includes the observing, number four, of fast days and seasons of the church year, of which Lent is probably the primary fast throughout the church year every 12 months. Number five, the practice includes the addressing of excessive attachments or appetites and the entitlements behind them partnering with God for change habits, essentially revealing the false self so that God's Spirit can begin to transform you into who you truly are in Christ. It includes number six, the simple but often very difficult practice of repenting or turning around and waiting on God to show you how to move forward. Number seven includes the practice of seeking strength to persevere, particularly in hardship, to obey and serve even when it's difficult. Number seven, it includes the overcoming of addictions, compulsions, whims, and cravings. What are some of the God-given fruit that the practice or discipline of fasting includes? It includes the keeping of company with Jesus in relinquishment or surrender. It includes the praying for needs in the body of Christ, particularly those you are fasting with or alongside in your community of faith. It includes the identifying and fellowshipping with Jesus by choosing to follow his sacrificial example, particularly in the desert in Matthew chapter 4. It includes the freeing up of more time for prayer. It includes the repenting of self-indulgent, addictive, or compulsive behaviors, particularly as um, your ceasing of them makes their addictive behavior more and more evident in your life. It includes the letting uh, of these small deprivations be a reminder to you of Jesus' great sacrifice on your behalf. In a sense, Lent is, is a season or a practice of fasting that helps you remember the cross and remember the great sacrifice that Jesus went through. Lastly, it includes uh, the desire or the ability to seek strength from God for obedient love and sacrifice. All of these are taken from Adele Calhoun's wonderful text, The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Practices That Transform Us. This is the discipline of fasting and the central discipline we will practice throughout the Lenten season. Some further reflection questions taken from Maldel Calhoun's Spiritual Disciplines Handbook on the practice of fasting. Just possibly take a few moments and journal a few of these questions as you think about what you need to fast uh, for Lent this year and what the Spirit is inviting you to relinquish. Number one, when you feel empty or restless, what do you do to try and fill that emptiness? What does this tell you about your heart? Number two, what is your attitude toward fasting or self-denial? Number three, in what ways do you currently deny yourself? Number four, when has self-denial brought you something good? Number five, what has the experience of fasting been like for you? Number six, where can you operate, or excuse me, where do you operate from an entitlement mentality? How can you wean yourself from this way of life? Some spiritual exercises, again taken from Adele, Adele Calhoun's Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, The Practice of Fasting. Number one, 
For a period of one week, fast from all social media, sports, shopping, reading, or use of your computer or phone. Dedicate the time you now have to God. What feelings arise in you? What thoughts interrupt your prayer? Another practice. During Lent, particularly focus on Jesus and his temptation in the wilderness. That's found in Matthew 4, among other places in the Gospels. Enter the story in your imagination as if you were there with Christ. What do you and Jesus talk about? How are you tempted to indulge yourself? How does it help you to talk to Jesus about this? A last spiritual exercise. Make two lists, one of needs and another of wants. Ask God to show you where to fast from some of your wants. Offer to God the time that you spend hankering after your wants. Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 12, taken from the voice translation. Tell my people about their wrongdoing. Shout with a voice like a trumpet. Hold nothing back. Say this people of Jacob's line and heritage have failed to do what is right. And yet, they look for me every day. They pretend to want to learn what I teach, as if they are indeed a nation good and true, as if they hadn't really turned their backs on my directives. They even ask me as though they care about what I want them to be and to do, as if they really want me in their lives. The people respond. Why didn't you notice how diligently we fasted before you? We humbled ourselves with pious practices, and yet you paid no attention, the Eternal One. I have to tell you, on those fasting days, all you were really seeking was your own pleasure. Besides, you were busy defrauding people and abusing your workers. Your kind of fasting is pointless, for it only leads to bitter quarrels, contentious backbiting, and vicious fighting. You are not fasting today because you want me to hear your voice. So what kind of fast do I choose? Is a fast, a true fast, simply some religious exercise for making a person feel miserable and woeful? Is it about how you bow your head like a bent reed? How you dress in sackcloth and where you sit in a bed of ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day the eternal one finds good and proper? No. What I want in a fast is this, to liberate those tied down and held back by injustice, to lighten the load of those heavily burdened, to free the oppressed and shatter every type of oppression. A fast for me involves sharing your food with people who have none, giving those who are homeless a space in your home, giving clothes to those who need them and not neglecting your own family. Then, oh then, your light will break out like the warm golden rays of a rising sun. In an instant you will be healed. Your rightness will proceed and protect you. The glory of the eternal will follow and defend you. And then when you do call out, my God, where are you? The eternal one will answer, I am here. I am here. If you remove the yoke of oppression from the downtrodden among you, stop accusing others and do away with mean and inflammatory speech. If you make sure that the hungry and the oppressed have all that they need, then your light will shine in the darkness, and even your bleakest moments will be bright as a clear day. The Eternal One will never leave you. He will lead you in the way that you should go. When you feel dried up and worthless, God will nourish you and give you strength, and you will grow like a garden lovingly tended. You will be like a spring whose water never runs out. You will discover 
that there are people among your own who can rebuild this broken down city out of ancient ruins. You will firm up its ancient foundations and all around others will call you repairer of broken down walls and rebuilder of livable streets. A blessing taken from the Our Father prayer as read in the message translation. Please open your hands if you can and receive this prayer. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best, as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. And now a Franciscan benediction as we read through the podcast for Epiphany. We thought we'd repeat this for the season of Lent because it is so appropriate given the subject of fasting from indifference. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that we may live from deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of God's creation, so that we may, we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. May God bless us with just enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in the world, so that we can do what others claim cannot be done, bring justice and kindness to all of our children and to all of our neighbors who are poor. Amen. Sharing your experience with this liturgy for Lent. Post a reflection on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook with a link to this liturgy and how to download this podcast. In your reflection, share something that God is doing in your life or something that you're fasting for during this season of Lent and how you think your community and the people that will read your posts can benefit by engaging in this liturgy and this practice as well. Use the hashtag Empires of Dirt and Grace, one word, all lowercase, to tag your reflection for others to find. Take a moment of quiet and think about or ask the Spirit to make known to your heart a friend or a family member who needs a thought or an encouragement, a challenge, or perhaps a word of Scripture that God is speaking to you as you engage in this liturgical podcast for Lent. Empires of Dirt and Grace, a liturgy for Lent. Take a moment and literally pause this podcast and go ahead and text or WhatsApp or even call them directly and be the voice of God to them in this season. Lyrics, links, and words for Empires of Dirt and Grace, a liturgy for Lent can be found directly in your podcast description simply by tapping on your phone or at thirdplace.co.za. Search for the Liturgical Year blog and you'll find everything and more there. This is Josh Garrell's Morning Light. Find it on YouTube, the official audio version, playing us out and giving us some hope as we head towards Easter. There's a place, a garden for the young To laugh and dance and safety among The shimmering light and the shade of the trees Steal a bite and paradise is lost With darkened hearts we didn't count the cards Forgot all we left Life picks up speed before you know We hold on for dear life, oh Lord We're too proud to turn back now
All copyright to Josh Girls. Thank you, Josh.